You're now tuned in to the Brendan King Show. From high above the circle in downtown Indianapolis, here's BK. Don't bet against the GOAT. In the playoffs, you do not bet against Tom Brady. That should be in the Ten Commandments. That should be carved into the stone because he just showed us once again and he's got seven Super Bowls and he was blacked out on another planet today. I'll tell you what, for as many avocados as the guy eats... And for going to sleep every day at 8 o'clock and waking up at 4 a.m., God deserves to get drunk once a year, because that's pretty much what he's winning Super Bowls, the rate he's at. You deserve to get blacked out once a year if you're winning, <laughs> if you're winning Super Bowls every year. God, that video is hilarious. Tom Brady coming off the boat, tossing a Lombardi trophy. You don't bet against him. You don't do it. Don't challenge yourself like that. Don't think you're smarter than Vegas. Don't take the Chiefs three points. If Tom Brady's getting three points in a Super Bowl, you get on that. Bucks money line against the Washington football team. Check. Bucks money line against the New Orleans Saints. Check. Bucks money line against the Green Bay Packers. Check. Bucks money line, Super Bowl 55 against the Kansas City Chiefs. Check. I also took Bucks plus three on top of the money line. Just as a little extra cash. Don't do it. And you know, Patrick Mahomes, his time's going to come. His time will come. But for everybody, for every big J journalist that went on SportsCenter or Run the Horn or podcasts around the country this week saying that Patrick Mahomes is already the best quarterback I've ever seen in my entire life. Patrick Mahomes still had Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey around him. Now he was without an offensive tackle. I went to high school with his left guard, Nicky Allen Gretty. Kid was a monster in high school. He was a monster at the University of Illinois. Now he's a monster in the NFL. But Patrick Mahomes runs 500 yards trying to evade Jason Pierre-Paul. And God, did Jason Pierre-Paul just come out of, like, complete nowhere in these last couple years? That guy was left for dead when he left New York and blew his hand off with the fireworks. And he went to Tampa, and everybody's like, all right, well, see ya. Now he's a Super Bowl champ. Patrick Mahomes, his time will come. But can we please stop saying he's the future GOAT? There's more than a good chance that he may end up as the future GOAT, okay? But cut it out with the, how many Super Bowls is Andy Reid going to win with Patrick Mahomes if he retires? They may win four or five Super Bowls. But stop looking ahead past that. Stop wishing time away. Focus on this year. Focus on 2021-2022 for Patrick Mahomes. Focus on the narrative now. Patrick Mahomes wins a Super Bowl in 2019. He loses to Tom Brady in 2020. And now he tries to go rebound and win his second in 21. That's the narrative. Stop making it. How many is this kid going to win before we call him the greatest of all time? Because right now, the greatest of all time is still playing. It doesn't look like he's going anywhere. 
You need to appreciate Tom Brady right now. Because there's going to come a day where he's not under center anymore. Because next year, let's say he picks up a concussion. Let's say he picks up a separated shoulder, which I hope doesn't happen, personally. I like watching Tom Brady. You look at what he's doing for the sport. Tampa Bay Bucks jerseys are flying off the shelves at NFLShop.com, that report. What he's doing for the sport is nuts. So I hope this doesn't happen where he gets hurt next year. Let's say he does get hurt next year. He picks up a concussion like Brett Favre did with the Vikings when they had to play at the frozen tundra Minnesota Golden Gopher Stadium that one time. I believe it was against the Bears. And Favre gets sacked. His head just jams against the frozen grass. And his career's over. Now Tom Brady's playing in Tampa Bay, but, you know, who knows where he's going next year to play. Who knows where he's going next year to play on the road? So, let's say he does get hurt. Because the littlest thing probably ends his career. I don't know. I personally wouldn't want to be rehabbing from a concussion when I'm 43. Who knows if he'd be able to? Guy may be the healthiest person in the entire world. But you don't bet against the GOAT. And you don't wish this time away of Patrick Mahomes. Stop looking ahead six, seven years. Focus on next season. Focus on the rebound story. Focus on the battle back. That's going to tell the kid's story more than just wondering how many Super Bowls he's going to win. That shouldn't tell somebody's story. And you know, Tom Brady has shown, yeah, he probably does need big boys around him, like the Antonio Browns and Mike Evans of the world. He showed that in his last year in New England. That if he doesn't have talent around him, his team's not going anywhere. Can't do it by himself anymore. And how would you expect him to? Guy's 43 and he can barely move. But when you do surround him with this type of talent, he's probably going to lead you to the promised land. Because that's what Tom Brady does. Enjoy what his career is right now. Because it's running out of time. It is running out of time. It's time against time, right? Who knows how many years he has left. Let's say he does want to play till 45. That still means we got less than three years left to Tom Brady. And before you know it, that's going to go by. Patrick Mahomes is going to be the big star. And then you could start talking about Patrick Mahomes and what he eventually can be. But right now, let him be 25. Let the 25-year-old kid be 25 years old. Because the more you put on this guy, the more you're going to sound like an idiot when he doesn't end up winning like he did on Sunday. Tampa Bay made his life a living hell. Todd Bowles absolutely should probably get another shot at being a head coach based off just that. That was a very impressive. Byron Leftwich, offensive coordinator. Him and Brady have looked like a great team. And is it kind of now like, you know, it was easy to hate Tom Brady when he was in New England because Josh McDaniels is an asshole. Bill Belichick hates everything. So Brady was kind of under that like Belichick umbrella. Where, okay, I hate the Patriots. Belichick's a you-know-what. So I probably have to hate Brady. But now, is Tom Brady like showing millennials and Gen Z people that just hated him because he was on the Patriots that he's actually a pretty cool dude? I mean, I've always liked Brady. Even though those are dangerous words here in the city of Indianapolis. 
I've always liked him. But now maybe people are noticing he's actually kind of a cool dude. Boy, seven Super Bowls. Incredible. Episode 8 of the BK Show. Thanks for tuning in. Zach Williman, my good buddy, pitcher in the Los Angeles Dodgers organization, a member of the legendary 2016 Orleans Firebird squad and the Cape Cod Baseball League. Really one of my first friends I ever made in baseball. Um, Zach's a great dude. We had a great group in Orleans in the summer of 16. Him and a few other guys were always over at the Broadcaster Cottage uh, right on the water of the Cape Cod Bay in Orleans and built a tremendous friendship. And now Zach has pitched the last two years in the Midwest League with the Great Lakes Loons, a uh, rival of the South Bend Cubs. And Great Lakes and South Bend actually dueled it out in the last year's Eastern Division, or two years ago, Eastern Division Championship Series to go to the Midwest League Finals, which of course South Bend Cubs did. Sorry, Zach. But Willie does have a really good story and he has faced some pretty high-profile dudes in the past, so we'll get into that in his interview. See also good buddies with Walker Bueller, one of the better right-handers now in all of big league ball, so I think you'll enjoy the interview. Zach Williman, Los Angeles Dodgers pitcher. He'll be up in the big leagues before you know it, too. Get throws absolute cheese, so happy to know him, happy to call him a friend. As well today, BK's Big Play is back. We'll take some voicemails. Don't forget, you can call the show every week. 317-699-2350. Show email is brendankingshow at gmail.com. B-R-E-N-D-A-N King Show at Gmail. Good voicemails this week. We're going to hear from Coach Adam Owens from the East Carolina Pirates after their upset victory over number five Houston. He called in. Talk some college hoopage as well later on. Big month of college hoops coming up here in the city of Indianapolis. Uh, as you know, Indy is hosting all of March Madness. I can't give it all away right now on the air, but I'm going to have some pretty cool responsibilities for March here at the station. I uh, can talk about that a little later on into next month. I guess the gist of it is that I'm going to be on air every day reporting on the tournament. So those full details will come a little bit later, but I am really pumped for it. Also, thanks for being patient again this week. Called some Hoops on Monday, Marion Men's Basketball. I'm just, I've been really busy, and I'm really grateful for that. Um, you know, after what the summer was and just really a whole bunch of nothing, uh, to pretty much be doing a game or a show or something on air every day is big. Back to in hockey in Chicago um, for Aurora University. It's a Division Three program. Division Three hockey, really competitive. Even, you know, Division Three sports, kind of the first indication you get is, you know, the guys that couldn't make Division One, but... There aren't a lot of Division One hockey programs out there, so a lot of good players are are down to Division Three, and it's 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 really really competitive. So that's fun to call. So all in all, I'm grateful, and I uh, thank you guys for listening to the show today. Circle Center Speed Around. We'll be back here in a few minutes. On today's Speed Around, I'm going to give you the four quarterbacks I would want under center for the Colts next year. Of course, the Colts swung and missed on Matthew Stafford even though the Rams, what they gave up for Stafford was on another planet. Maybe more on another planet than Tom Brady was today when he got off that boat. But <laughs> but I'll give you the top four quarterbacks I'd want in a Colts uniform next year in order. And I think my number one may surprise you. So stay tuned for that in a few. There is some baseball news out of New York, though. Baseball bringing back seven-inning doubleheaders and the runner at second to start extra innings for 2021. 
Now, there is no word on the designated hitter yet in the National League, although I got to like that pretty well. I did see there was a rule proposal where it was like the DH would be in the National League, but whenever you pull your starter is when you have to give up the DH. That would be awesome. It's really a shame that starting pitching has been so, not ridiculed, but just so ousted in big league ball today. I mean, starting pitching, it's so many managers, whether you're Kevin Cash starting a reliever for one inning or you know, you're just leaving starters out or you're taking starters out after like five and a third, five and two thirds. That was like the Joe Madden special. Now, I love Joe, but he did not like his starters in after the sixth inning usually. So I think that'd be a really cool idea where you have the DH in the National League, but you lose that DH spot and the pitcher has to hit whenever you take your starter out. That will also mean if your starter gets shelled, let's say your starter's getting shelled in like the second inning, he's given up like eight, you know six runs. Do you take him out in the second inning to try and stop the bleeding, or do you leave him in so your DH can stay? Now, personally, I'm not a baseball purist, but I love the game of baseball as it is. The runner on second rule wasn't really my forte, even though we've played within the minors now for so long. I'm used to it. But I'm not a fan of the the brand new rules, you know, changing the game too much. But that would be fun. You talk about trying to sell baseball to a younger audience. Now that would be fun. Still, though, seven inning doubleheaders, that's good. We play that in the minors. Makes the day go by a lot quicker. And I know being a broadcaster, calling nine inning doubleheaders one after another, that is a long, long day. So even even saving four innings, that that's definitely something. So I do like the seven inning doubleheaders. The runner at second, you know, I think that's something we just got to get used to. It's unfortunate that, you know, even though the guy that might give up the game winning run, so let's say Craig Kimbrell's in for the Cubs and they start with a runner on second and that guy comes home to score, it's an unearned run on Kimbrell, but he still takes the loss. So it's, you know, even though although wins and losses is also another part of the game that's like people don't care about wins and losses anymore, even though of course you should care about wins and losses for a pitcher. Of course you should care about wins and losses for a pitcher. That's a direct that's a direct report on how he did for the day. Wins still mean something. I've never understood why people are discounting wins and losses. That's I don't like how the game's changing like that. But the runner at second could definitely save time. When I was out in Boise in 2017 with the Hawks, on the 4th of July 2017 out in Eugene, which is the Cubs affiliate, uh, it's played on the University of Oregon. They play on Oregon's baseball field, which is dope. And then we got a tour of Autzen Stadium out there at uh, U of O. We played a 20-inning game on the 4th of July. We ended at 1.30 in the morning Pacific. It was 4.30 a.m. Eastern time. And I always tell the story that a great listener to the show, Kyler Hunt, um, who called in a few weeks ago, uh, he was the lone person listening at 4.30 in the morning Eastern Standard Time because <laughs> I had a ticker of how many people were listening at a given time and there was a big fat number one on the screen. I was like, who in the right mind is listening right now? And it ended up being Kyler. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, we play that 20-inning game and I just kind of think back to, man, the runner at second then would have been nice because the next day we played a day game. So we woke up, actually no, we bust out to Eugene, which is an eight-hour ride from Boise. If I guess, if I haven't told you guys, I mentioned this in the teaser episode last month that I've been on you know 14-hour bus rides in the Northwest League and that was our longest ride. Our shortest ride was six hours to Spokane. 
but Eugene, Portland, and uh, Salem-Kaiser are kind of all in a line along the western side of Oregon, so they all take the same amount of time to get to, about eight and a half hours. So we bust out to Eugene the morning of the 4th of July. We get there. We play the game at 7. We go back to the hotel at 2.30 in the morning because, of course, when the game finishes, the guys have to eat, the guys have to shower, and the guys got to get on the bus. So we don't get back to the hotel till 2.30 in the morning. We come back on the 5th of July, 2017, play a day game at like 2 o'clock, and we bust back to Boise that afternoon. So in a matter of the morning of the 4th, which ended up being like oh, I don't know, like we probably got on the bus at like 6 a.m., bust out to Eugene, play the game on the 4th of July, the 20-inning game, back to the hotel, back to the field, play, shower, eat, back on the bus, back to Boise, play the next day in Boise. It's a grind, man. It really is. Episode 8 of the BK Show. Appreciate you being with us. Now, before we get to the interview with my good buddy, Zach Willman, 2016 Orleans Firebird in the Cape Cod Baseball League, the team I announced for that summer, as well now a pitcher in the Los Angeles Dodgers organization. Let's get to the Circle Center speed round. We'll also hit some BK's big play, as well as a couple voicemails at the end of the show. But now, if you've been following the Indianapolis Colts since, oh, January or so, when they got knocked out in the playoffs by the Buffalo Bills, you know that their process of trying to find a new quarterback to replace Phillip Rivers has been a disaster. Now, the Colts, they couldn't hit on Matthew Stafford. Suddenly, Jacoby Brissett is an option again. Like, Jacoby already started here for two years. You know exactly what you're going to get out of him. That's like watching a scary movie three times in a row and you knowing when the guy's going to jump out of the corner to scare you. There have been Andrew Luck text rumors. Jacob Eason, the rookie, is like the ultimate mystery. Nobody even knows who he is. That's like playing 500 in your backyard during the summer with your best friends by the pool when your friend throws up the football and shouts mystery box and you don't know what it is until you catch it. Chris Ballard needs somebody new. Here are my top four guys to come in next year to play under center for the Colts. Let's go. Now let me preface this by saying I thought Phillip Rivers was fantastic this year. Now you might say, oh, he couldn't throw, he couldn't move, he couldn't get out of the pocket, he threw too many interceptions, he's too old. 15 touchdowns, 4 interceptions in his last 8 games. QBR, 96.7. How about the best single season completion percentage by a Colts quarterback since 2009 and some guy named Peyton Manning? Not to mention, Rivers was with the same organization for 16 years out in San Diego and Los Angeles, moves his family of what, like 12, 14 people under the same roof in Carmel, comes here, no OTAs, no training camp, no preseason, brand new teammates, brand new stadium, brand new playbook, brand new city. Rivers was great. And if you're Chris Ballard, you need to find somebody just like him to come in. A veteran plug-and-play situation. That's the best move for this team right now because they're ready to win and they're not able to waste any time with some rookie. And I'm not saying a veteran-wise you go out and you try and find Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. Sure, Rodgers has said he's pissed at the Packers. Sure, Wilson has said that he's tired of getting sacked on the Seahawks. But all the guys I'm about to mention are realistic. Not to mention, too, the Deshaun Watson trade is going to completely change the NFL trade market. If Matthew Stafford's worth two first-round picks by himself, what's Watson worth? Like six? If and when Watson gets traded, that will change the trade market forever on everybody. Number one on the list, Matt Ryan. Matty Ice, go get him out of Atlanta right now. 
He does not fit in the future Falcons plans. They got the number four overall pick. They're absolutely going to draft Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. I don't think Matt Ryan wants to see his career rot in Atlanta training up these new dudes that are about to come in. Plus, Ryan, absolutely plug and play. He can get you 11 wins easy. He's got more than two years left. We thought Rivers was going to be here for a couple years. Ryan is 36. He can play a couple years. He can set the tone. You can go out. You can get that rookie either next year or two years from now. Have him train under Ryan. You're all set to go. Matt Ryan loves tall rod receivers. He'll miss Julio Jones. He'll get Michael Pittman. He'll have a loaded backfield with uh, Jonathan Taylor or Naheem Hines. This is a home run if you ask me. If you're able to get Matt Ryan, go and get him before Watson gets traded or else you're going to overpay. Number two, kind of had to ask myself if I was a little bit crazy. Maybe I am. You guys be the judge. Sam Darnold. 23 years old. He has never been given a fair shot with the New York Jets. That's my standpoint on Darnold. Sure, USC quarterbacks traditionally stink in the NFL, and Darnold has been really bad. Don't forget, though, he's had to put up with that motto thing. He's had concussions. They paired him with Adam Gase, maybe the worst possible companion for the start of his NFL career. He's never had an offensive line. He's had terrible weapons. They gave him a 38-year-old Frank Gore as his running back. This dude would come to Indianapolis. It would be like Willy Wonka giving the chocolate factory to Charlie Bucket and Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory. You go from being poor, <laughs> you find the golden ticket, you come to Indianapolis, you got all the weapons you could ever want, you got the offensive line. Darnold coming here it just seems like he can work with Frank. He'd actually have a coach that supports him. No drama like the big city market in New York. He can come here. Sure, probably people locally would be critical of him. It wouldn't be anything like New York when he's getting called out by like Mike Francesa every day. Number three, had to put him on the list in Carson Wentz. The sequel is usually never good as the original, okay? With Wentz teaming up with Frank Reich again, it would be interesting. But to me, Carson Wentz, he's been given every opportunity to succeed in Philly. He's had the injuries, but at the end of the day, sometimes guys are just more broken than others. I'm personally not on Team Wentz. I think him and Frank can have a nice reunion tour. He's number three on my list because I think he's been a stud in the past. Could he be that stud in the future? We'll have to see. Number four, this is only happening. Put an asterisk next to this. Number four is only happening if you think Jacob Eason is the future of your team. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick would be good for eight wins. No more, no less. He would be average enough to get you to eight and eight. But if you think Jacob Eason is the future of your team, Ryan Fitzpatrick, what better gunslinger to train another young gunslinger than Ryan Fitzpatrick? Mitz Fitzpatrick would give... Jacob Eason, a hell of a lesson in football. Would he be worth investing in for this year, though, when you're trying to get back into the playoffs towards the AFC Championship? I don't know about that. If Jacob Eason is your guy of the future, Fitzmagic, bring him in, help him out. That's only again if Eason is your future. Matt Ryan, Sam Darnold, Carson Wentz, Ryan Fitzpatrick, those are the four Circle Center speed round. Circle Center Speed Round. Let's get to our interview of the week. Zach Williman, my good buddy from Cape Cod, Orleans Firebirds. Absolute stud. Think you'll enjoy the interview. Let's get to Willie on the BK Show. All right, Zach Williman, you stud. What's going on, buddy? Uh, not much. You know, just on break, enjoying a phone call with you. It's all, I mean, always fun. Hey, um, we have had quite the career together. Obviously, starting in Cape Cod and then over the last couple of years in the Midwest League, but on opposing sides, you've been with the Great Lakes Loons in the LA Dodgers system. I've been with the South Bend Cubs in the Cubs system. But, you know, I think the best part about 
being together on the Cape is that you may have noted noted this too in your playing career so far, but I think whenever you get on a new team, it, there's the, kind of that weird two week transition period where people are starting to get to know each other and getting used to each other. But I feel like when we were on the Cape in Orleans with the broadcast team, you know, Logan, Hannah, myself, Tommy, and then the team with you and everybody, it it only took a few days for everybody to get close. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, we all met each other right away, and it seemed like we all just bonded. And it was kind of cool. I mean, we still, most of us stay in contact still, and that's the best part the friendships you build and the uh, relationships. Z, I think the part about the Cape that not a lot of people understand until you're really out there, first of all, obviously just how special it is, but how career impacting it can be for guys like you and you know, guys like everybody on that squad that year. Yes, I mean, uh, the uh, Cape is obviously a prestigious league, and there's always a bunch of scouts watching every game, and all it takes is one good game that a scout likes you or uh, once they see you throw more, and they come to more of your games, and that's the cool part about it. There are some absolute studs out there, and there, there's a lot of scouts there for them, but as soon as they see uh, guys that are, uh, not might not be on their radar uh, become on their radar, I know there's a couple guys that were on our team that, um, really excel out there in the Cape, and it took their career off. That was pretty cool to see. I mean, Hazley's in the big leagues, and I mean, it's just a matter of time before the guys like the Brian Millers of the world are going to be up there too. It's wild, and of course, yeah. you know, there's a lot of guys that are on their way, including you. Yep, and that's everyone's goal when they get to the Cape. That's part of their uh, part of the next goal is let's have a great. Usually, it's a great junior year at the college, and have the opportunity to get drafted and move on. Um, actually, the cool thing about it was. There's a kid from Central Michigan. I don't know if you remember him, Zach McKenstry. Yeah. But he was out there for a couple days. He was literally on the team for two days. Yeah, Yeah. before he got drafted. And he's actually with the L.A. Dodgers. Right. uh, On their 40 man and played this year a little bit in the big leagues. Yeah, he was on the. I, I think we played the opener and Brewster, and then we had a game at home, and he was gone. And and then yeah. we had the cycle and some new guys. Z, just talk about how special that team was as a group, because to me, so far, you know, we've both been part of some fun teams, and we've had some fun guys in the clubhouses we've been a part of. But that team in particular, there was just kind of that special bond, man. Yeah, it's like I said, like I said a little bit ago, that uh, the friendships are still going. I mean, I talk to a lot of the guys still, just keep in contact. Um, just cool to see, uh, meet up with them. Like I know, even when you came out to Arizona, we met up and hung out and got dinner together. That's just a bond that we were able to create, and it's, it's just it's just cool being able to still uh, communicate with the guys. Well, if we're ever together in a particular baseball city, the folks, if they need to find us, they could usually find us at the local pub with a couple of Bud Lights. <laughs> <laughs> that's the usual bet. Oh, yeah, that's that's for sure. You know, you got you to gotta go back out and enjoy yourselves. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, we enjoyed ourselves in the Cape a little bit, too. Oh, we sure did. We, we, we definitely have some stories. Uh, the thing I want to know in your perspective, Z, when you look at the team, Hazley's in the big leagues, you know, Riley Mahan out of Kentucky's playing shortstop, two stud catchers that you worked with on a daily basis, Riley Adams and Drew Lugbauer, the pitching staff, you know, obviously the birds that summer, we got swept out of the playoffs by YD and a YD team that was absolutely loaded in their own right. But do you kind of think that team's story came to an end a little too soon out of the first round? Yeah, I, I believe so. I mean, we had a really good team. Um, they just, I mean, YD just beat up on us, and that sometimes that happens. But I feel like w- if we would have got on a roll 
at the end we would have, we would have had a really good chance of winning the uh, championship. But that sometimes that happens. Um, we have we have a lot of a lot of good guys in that group. A lot of guys and you know, play baseball very well, and obviously it shows. But the guys in the big leagues are ready, and uh, other guys on their verge of making the big leagues. As that summer went along, when did you kind of know more and more scouts were looking at you? Ultimately, you get drafted. Uh, just seeing them around more often, and a couple of them actually talking to me. And then the best part, there's so many. Uh, like advisors and agents out there and they're always stopping you and when even more would stop and like start asking me questions and what's going on it's like, all right this is actually getting serious and there's actually quite a few teams that are interested in me and that's that's thanks to being able to have the opportunity to play on the cape and all the scouts that you get to uh encounter out there uh describe your relationship with uh, with skip kelly nicholson Oh, Kelly's an awesome dude. We uh, every year actually down at spring training they have a banquet or a reunion, and we get to see each other. And he always texts me, asks me how I'm doing. He always wants to know if I'm ever gonna be out in California and meet up. It's uh, Skip's Skip's a heck of a dude. He actually when so my brother goes to Bowling Green now, but Bowling Green actually cut their baseball program for about a month <laughs> before they got it back and. One of the first guys I contacted was uh, Skip. Just to ask him, hey, do you have? I know you have a lot of connections. Would you mind talking to my brother, possibly getting to know him, and see if you can get his name out in, out in California or any place that you can uh, find for him, just to uh, uh, find him a, a new team or a new university that he can go play for. And he was, right away he goes, yes, give me his number. I'll call him. We can have a conversation. That's that's the cool thing about him. He's always looking to help people out. Let's talk about you getting drafted by the Dodgers 19th round in 2017. Now, you did need to have surgery going into your professional career. And as we talked about, you had a nice summer, a nice lead up to getting drafted. Then you have to have the surgery. Do you think 19th round, do you think they kind of overlooked you because of the surgery? Yeah, and that's kind of where uh, a lot of things um, didn't fall into place, obviously. Um, a lot of the scouts who saw me over time saw that, like, hey, he's not the same dude like the last couple weeks of the season. And they wanted to know what was going on. My arm, my arm swelled up a little bit during the season, but we just uh, took some uh, anti-inflammatories and it started feeling better. Lost a little bit of velo, and so the scouts started wondering what's going on. Didn't get any tests till after the college season was over, and scouts were begging to find out what was going on. So we did some MRIs and X-rays, and found out I had TJ and a electron stress fracture. And that's when teams started like, all right, we don't know. We're fine with the TJ, but the electron stress fracture and the screw that has to go in his arm, like what's what's going to happen? Like how is he going to rebound from that? And so that was a tough part. My big thing was when I had surgery that I wanted to get an organization. That would take care of me, and that's exactly what happened with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, it all obviously all worked out, and you've gotten to do some pretty cool stuff from not only pitching in a system of such a reputable organization, but as well, you've gotten to work out inside Dodger Stadium, Z. Yes, that, that was a really cool experience being able to go out there. And actually, happened a couple of times. I was actually able to go out there and work out and throw at Dodger Stadium, and that's. Obviously, the big goal is to pitch there one day in the big leagues, and that's what I'm striving to do. What do you have to do to get to that point, Zach? Uh, just keep working hard. And uh, my big thing is 
lost a little tick of velo and lost kind of some of my stuff. And this offseason has been huge on getting the velocity back to the upper 90s and throwing all my pitches for strikes, which my first goal bullpen so far have been really, really good. And like like seeing where it's going and also the I'm with a trainer now that has made me personally I feel like has made me a lot better and has gotten me back to where I was right after TJ and I, I feel like the future is very bright and as long as I keep working hard and keep getting better and I'm mastering my craft which is obviously critical. Last couple of years when you've been in Great Lakes, Ryan Pepio has been a teammate of yours, my old classmate from Butler. Uh, those were some fun times. But I remember watching a couple of your bullpens and obviously leaving impressed. I mean, I've called you for an entire season. I've called you in series now, a playoff series last year in Great Lakes and South Bend. But maybe for those that aren't as familiar, Zach, with, I guess, the process of working out to increase your velocity, how does that work uh, getting in those workouts? Uh, so I'm working out five days a week. Um and actually, it's five days a week working out, and then the six days usually kind of like recovery day. But we actually have been implementing deep stretches uh, a couple times a week with uh, one of our trainers who is very good in working mobility. So we've been doing that. That's an important part. And then along with that is the long toss and plyo care. So plyo care is more like a driveline program where you pretty much build your uh, velocity through – intense throwing and um, just a lot of a lot of weighted ball throws but uh, you got to do them properly and making sure you're getting your arm in the right positions and uh, using your body properly and that's that's my big thing is getting my body in positions that I know can help me throw harder and that's a critical part of pitching and even hitting or fielding in general. Zach Willman with us. Zach, I will plug this for you because I know it did mean a lot to you last year when Ben Zoberst was rehabbing with the South Bend Cubs and he was trying to get back uh, to the Chicago Cubs, which he did very briefly and then retired. You texted me because Zobers was playing in the series you guys came in. You texted me <laughs> the day that you knew you were going to pitch. You said, can't wait to strike him out. And you come in, Zobers is like on deck or something, and I'm just coming back from commercial. I'm like, oh my God, it's going to happen. You blow three <laughs> fastballs by this dude, and you strike out the 2016 World Series MVP. How cool is that? That was awesome. And <laughs> it was actually funny. Some one of my family was there, and most of them were coming from Michigan. They're right around Chicago area in the Michigan area, but uh, they are big Cubs fans. <laughs> and they were there when they saw Zobers was playing. They recorded me pitching against them, and they were they were, they were so pumped to see me strike him out just because like they knew how how cool he was and how um, how well known he was in the Cubs organization. And uh, I mean, it, it was a cool experience. Um, hopefully, that's just one of many to come. Uh, wait, you, I didn't know your family were Cubs fans. How are you a Tigers fan then? <laughs> uh, they they live uh, just, what is that, like 30 minutes um, north uh, or like 45 minutes just around the lake by Chicago up in like Bridgman, Michigan yeah. area. So they, they grew up always being Cubs fans. But uh, I got I have the little bit of Detroit blood in me due to growing up, growing up in Toledo area, not too far, and watching those teams through the years. But that's how I got. That's how I got stuck with them. Stuck with them. <laughs> now, yeah. now, now, now I'm a Dodgers fan. That's the best part. One of the best teams in baseball, and get to enjoy them. And it's cool to see everyone uh, 
be so successful in our organization. Uh, good plug there by you. Um, <laughs> I know that over the last couple of years, you've gotten to know Walker Bueller a little bit, and obviously he has stemmed into one of the better right-handers in all of baseball. Uh, what has he helped you with, Z? He helped us uh, tremendously with the rehab process. Obviously, he went through it right after college, too, in, in professional baseball. And his big takeaway was if your arm feels good, extend it or like put a little velocity behind it. He goes, that's how you're going to build your arm strength through your rehab process. He goes, that's what helped me. He goes, I think that will help you. And kind of took that and ran with it because uh, when we would do our throw pro- throwing program, we would extend just a little bit. And like I said, put a little more velocity on it. And my arm felt great throughout the whole process. But he doesn't, he doesn't like me that much because I beat him pretty bad in cornhole because, you know, cornhole is a big Midwest game to play. Some people call it bags, but it is bags. <laughs> but a lot of people call it cornhole, and we uh, we don't uh, take to losing in that. We always win. Um, <laughs> wait, was that like spring training or something? You beat them? I think that might. I think that was instructional league one year. Oh, uh, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, when I got to Butler. Um, I was obviously coming from the Chicago suburbs and out of like the guys that lived around me, my freshman dorm, they were all from outside of the Chicago suburbs. As you know, they called bags there. So we're rolling up to like a freshman orientation thing and there's, there's cornhole boards and I'm like, Hey, you guys want to play bags? And they looked at me like I was speaking like French. It it, it was, (laughs) nobody else calls it that. Um, that's cool. That's awesome. You have that relationship with Bueller though. Um, have you met Kershaw or no? I have not. I mean, I've, we've seen him walk around the complex, but I've not met him personally. I mean, when he walks around that complex, he must just be a god, right? Yes, he is. I mean, he's he's obviously a Dodgers legend, and he's continuing to prove himself throughout the years. And uh, from what I've heard, he's one of the best guys to hang around. And I just all start doing this with him on uh, game day. <laughs> I, I know you don't want to look ahead too far, but we, we've kind of talked about this privately a little bit. You don't have to dive too much into it, but like getting to the bigs, what's kind of your like you know four or five year plan? What are you thinking for yourself? Right. I mean, personally, I want to be up there as soon as possible, and that's why I'm really taking this off season to the full extent, trying to do everything possible to make me better and. Um, Obviously, the process with our organization one of the best in baseball. So it takes <laughs> you have to be elite to make it to uh, Dodger Stadium and pitch uh, in the big leagues there. And that's what I want to be. I want to be elite, and I'm going to continue to strive to get there. And my plan is I'll be in the big leagues this year. Like that's my yeah. goal. I want to be there, and uh, it's obviously going to take a lot of hard work and domination knowing that I'm better than everyone else and that's you gotta have that mindset when I'm out there when I'm out there on the moon and uh just uh go out there and be who I am and do the best I can do. There's gonna be bad games, there's gonna be good games, there's gonna be great games. And I gotta take everyone and learn on each one and get better each game. Uh the future rivalry of the Dodgers and the Padres that is shaping up to be just astounding is going to be incredible. I mean, the, the way the Padres have spent money, you know the Dodgers just went out and got Trevor Bauer. I mean, do you think guaranteed World Series champ NL West this year? 
I'm giving it to the Dodgers all day. No, I, I, no, of course, of course. No, I'm just saying the rivalry of the Padres and the Dodgers for the coming years. I mean, NLCS maybe every year for the next however many years, right? It, I mean, the way it's looking, that's the way. <laughs> that's the way it's going to be. Um, I mean, there are just absolute studs on both sides, and it's going to be cool to see. Very cool to see. Uh, are there any guys that you faced like in spring training or anybody so far that's kind of uh, other than Zobrist or whatever? But those spring training games that you remember? Um, no, we haven't. I mean, obviously faced other minor leaguers, and I have faced a couple guys in the big leagues now. But uh, it's, I mean, I look at them all the same, and I just, it's tough to pick out one. Obviously, Zobrist always is one because it's a real game, and um one that I'll remember forever but I don't really have any on the like remembering like backfield games or backfield yeah. like levy piece yeah. that or any anything big uh, last thing I got for you Z is I, I know you got to get back to it but when you do get the call when you are pitching in the Dodger Stadium think about the entire big league Spectrum and any other big league ballparks you've always dreamed. I, I know you've dreamed of pitching in every ballpark, but any on your list that would be really cool to get uh, checked off the list? Definitely uh, Fenway. Um, yeah. Yankee Stadium would be cool. I mean, when we went to Fenway uh, to watch a game there when we were up in the cave, that was just incredible to be there. And I was like, if I can pitch here someday, that would be a huge accomplishment and that's obviously what I'm working for. I mean, there's so many great baseball stadiums and uh that I really truly want to pitch in someday and that's obviously the main goal. The real question is, if I do make it, will you be there? <laughs> One can only hope, Z. One can only hope. <laughs> hey, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to be Joe Buck going to every park, but hopefully I can be calling you on the radio a whole bunch. Uh, talk about that day really quick. Uh Fenway workout day, 16. Awesome experience. Uh, I actually got to sign my name in the Green Monster. <laughs> and uh, it's cool. Obviously, we didn't really do much as a pitcher, but being out there on the field, checking uh, BP, and just uh, having the atmosphere of a major league stadium like that that has uh, so much history is truly, truly incredible. I got a quick story for you. When we were watching BP, me, Hannah, and Logan around the cage, we, or we were all taking bets of who was going to hit it over the monster. Uh, I took Adams, Hannah took Kurtley, and Logan took Triano. And Adams, Riley was the only guy to do it. Yep, I do remember that. He crushed that ball, dude. <laughs> yes, he did. Oh, my God. Zach Williman, minor league pitcher with the Los Angeles Dodgers, future big league arm. Z, love you, man. you the man. And uh, hopefully you can be back to it, doing what we love very soon. I appreciate it, BK. You have a, you have a wonderful night. I thank you for having me on here. That's the dude, Zach Willman, on the BK Show. Humble, humble guy. See, he has a bright future with the L.A. Dodgers. And, you know, he was talking about all the training he's doing. And, you know, he was already up to triple digits, 100 miles an hour. So I really am excited to see what he's going to do this season. And, you know, whenever the L.A. Dodgers do give him that call, the guy will be pitching at Dodger Stadium before you know it. Let's roll on here on the BK Show. Let's hit BK's big play. This is from the Super Bowl. Let's get to it. 0-2. Fastball got him swinging. Milwaukee leaves him loaded. 
Now, typically on BK's big play, we break down a real call of a real play that happened, but there was an occasion in Super Bowl 55 where a gentleman ran onto the field in very, very little clothing, and Kevin Harlan was doing the Super Bowl on Westwood One, and we've already talked about on the show just how versatile Kevin Harlan is, doing games on TV one day, doing games on radio the next, interchanging them. And as you guys know now, listening to the show, there are so many different parts of what makes a TV call different from a radio call and kind of succeeding at both of them. And Kevin Harlan does both extremely well. But Kevin Harlan over the last few years has never been afraid to have some fun in the booth. And I think that's what every broadcaster should do, regardless of age, regardless of of you know what level you're at if you're not having fun in the booth my mentality is you get out and you go find something else because that's what you should be doing and god i think kevin harlan might have the most fun of anybody out there right now take a listen to this second down 20 503 to go someone has run on the field some guy with a brawl and now he's not being chased he's running down the middle of the 40 arms in the air and a victory salute He's pulling down his pants. Put up your pants, my man. Pull up those pants. He's being chased to the 30. He breaks a tackle from a security guard. The 20, down the middle, the 10, the 5. He slides at the 1, and they converge on him at the goal line. Pull up your pants. Take off the bra and be a man. And the players with hands on hips at the other end of the field are looking at him and shaking their head and saying, why, oh, why is this taking place in a Super Bowl? And Kevin, if you're going to run that far, get into the end zone. Don't slide at the one. you got to score once you got on the field. Get into the end zone, my man. Lord, now they're cuffing him. But pull up his drawers, whatever you do. 5.03 to go, timeout on the field. He took that and then he he took it into a break. 504 to go, timeout on the field. How professional is that where you get done just screwing around and calling the dude streaking on the field? First of all, I don't think he was wearing a bra. I think it was like a Borat like swimsuit thing where it just covers your your man parts. Um <laughs> but how about at the end where he said 504 left? He kept he he has the wherewithal and do with all to Go from that and turn it actually into an, a serious call because at the end of a highlight, you always give the time and you give the score or whatever. And he actually did. <laughs> oh man, that's good stuff. That's just good stuff. Uh, Kevin Harlan, guy. I mean, guy's absolutely a national treasure. But uh, I mean, just I don't even know how to break. Down. You can't even break down that. That's just. Again, that's just having fun in the booth. And, you know, maybe other broadcasters around the world would have just said, you know, oh, we got a fan on the field and then just would have, you know, sent it to break or something. And instead, Kevin Harlan's going all out. You know, that's maybe one where you just press the mute button and you tell your producer, hey, let's go to break while this dude's running around the field. (laughs) Man, you got to have fun in the booth. If you're not, again, go find something else to do. I think that's maybe one of my things I've noticed about the industry so far. Especially of the younger generations. Sometimes I, I've noticed like being at like the winter meetings, for example, for baseball. I've been to the winter meetings twice. Once in Orlando and once in Vegas. 
obviously the one in Vegas was, whew, it was my first time out there. So I learned a lot about, about the scene of Las Vegas. A couple stories that I probably shouldn't tell, just in terms of what you see on the Strip. Strip's an interesting place. Very interesting place. But, you know, I've noticed that being at the winter meetings, there have been some kids that have been there that, like, just take it a little too seriously. You know, obviously people are there to try and find a job because that a lot of times is where the minor league baseball jobs are posted. And, you know, kids go out there, and I've been out there looking for gigs. And, uh, no, I just feel like sometimes people are a little obtuse uh, about things. If you've ever seen the Shawshank Redemption, I hope you get that little movie line. You're being obtuse. What? I said you're being obtuse. Two weeks in the hole. If you don't, if you've never seen the movie, you have no idea what I just said. Um, no, I, I, to go back to the Harlan thing, I, you need to have fun in the booth. I just feel like sometimes people are just a little too afraid to break out of the shell. Sometimes I, I've been told by this by a few people of like, not that I've been doing it, but like something they work on. It's like you can't be too broadcastery. You know, maybe everybody feels like when you watch the old clips, you see the old announcers wearing, you know, suits with the fancy hats at a horse race, announcing the horse race, and their voice is moving like a million miles an hour. And like, you know, you, you need to feel like the old school radio broadcaster where, you know, you don't cut corners, you don't have, you know, there's no fun to be had. You just kind of focus on the game. If you're just focusing on the game, like, you know, you're just doing yourself a disservice. Like, you should take your job seriously, absolutely. But, man, have some fun. Have some fun. BK's big play, Kevin Arlen. God, he's so good. He's so good. Let's take a couple calls out of the voicemail. Don't forget, you can call into the program anytime you'd like. Automated voicemail system. 317-699-2350. Anything goes. College hoops, the topic of this week's voicemails. Tommy in Rhode Island. What you got, buddy? Hey, BK. It's your boy Zins here. Um, there's one thing I was kind of thinking about talking about with the Big East basketball and whether or not, just how good really the Big East is, obviously at the Big Ten, but also really about conference tournaments as well. Should they be played or should they not be played? That's like kind of a hot-button issue right now in college basketball. We'll see you, buddy. Thanks, Zins. Um, yeah, you know what? I actually hosted Indiana Sports Talk two weeks back, and Matt Schumacher came on the show. If you remember, Shu was our guest on the first episode here on the show. And Shu and I were talking about the conference tournament things. And again, appreciate the calls in. The pride of Providence, Rhode Island. The Friars. Um, I'm kind of split on the conference tournament thing. For one, I get coaches not wanting to play them because the rule is to even get to Indianapolis, to even get to the NCAA tournament, every player coach, and anybody affiliated with the team that will be traveling with the team, not including parents, parent, the, for now, the attendance for the NCAA tournament is parents and close friends only. That's all I've heard. I haven't heard anything further on the public. Dan Gavitt has already said that uh, family is already approved. But if you're a player, coach, or somebody affiliated with the team, you need to test negative for coronavirus for seven consecutive days. So I get the standpoint of not wanting to play the conference tournaments because, for example, the Big Ten tournament is now coming down to Indy and it's literally going to be played right before March Madness. Okay, so what if Indiana basketball, for example, who just beat Northwestern uh, tonight, what if Indiana basketball goes on a run in the Big Ten tournament, okay? 
What if somebody catches it from a Big Ten team that's not in the tournament, that's not in the tournament picture, but they're still obviously at the Big Ten tournament? What if a guy on Indiana gets it, and then the Hoosiers, who are hosting the damn event down at Assembly Hall and should be here in Indy, I mean, for God's sakes, would you imagine an NCAA tournament in the state of Indiana without the Indiana Hoosiers? I mean, geez. So you have to test negative for seven straight days. So I get the standpoint of maybe not wanting to play the conference tournaments at the risk of getting sick and making sure everybody just is able to get here to Indianapolis. But what about, two conference tournaments as we've seen? What about in the Big East? UConn, when they won the damn national championship over Butler, the reason they got in March Madness this year was because they won the Big East tournament. They wouldn't have even been in March Madness. What if Butler wins the national championship in 2011? They don't get caught with UConn, and they don't lose that game, you know, maybe, if they play somebody else. So the the need of conference tournaments, Tommy, are huge. You need to play conference tournaments because then you eliminate those stories of, this, of the teams that, you know, Jim Nance is telling you about in the Final Four is like, oh, you know, these guys had a brutal COVID stoppage. They had uh, injuries throughout the season, but they kept fighting, and they went on a run in the Pac-12 or Big 12 or whatever tournament to get to this point, and now they're here on CBS. Live from the Masters Sunday at Sunday, because he would obviously say something about the Masters after that. Um, So I I get both standpoints of you need conference tournaments for those stories, or else March Madness is going to be a bunch of blue bloods and a bunch of teams that have been good all season. You won't get those stories of the teams that go on the March run, those special runs. But I also get that you need the test negative for seven straight days to even come into this city right now. So it's a slippery slope. It really is. My opinion on it and the decision I would make, I would play the conference tournaments. I would play them at the risk of having somebody testing positive seven days within seven days of the tournament. Because the thing is, too, you know, if that happens, that's tough. But there are some teams out in the country right now that have kind of been screwed over COVID and have had these two, three-week, month-long stoppages that probably deserve to be in the NCAA tournament, but COVID has completely stopped them from any success. So, you know, as much as I hate to say it, if a team has a COVID problem right before the tournament and can't come to Indy, you know, have the NCAA call up the team that has gotten screwed by COVID all year and has been playing some good ball lately and in a normal situation probably couldn't get in the tournament Although they are playing pretty good basketball right now, but they're just not playing enough games to get in. Give them a call. Have them be in first in. Have these backup schools available. Play the conference tournaments. And if somebody gets it, I'm sorry, that's tough. But you want that field of 68 to come here to Indianapolis. I don't want, you know, 50 teams. I want 68. I want the full tournament here. Because if Indy's going to host a tournament, I want it full out. I want it basketball central when I walk in the studio every day. I want to drive downtown and have just the feel of basketball blowing through the wind in Indianapolis. Appreciate the calls in. That's good stuff. You know, it's a slippery slope. It can go either way. Personally, I would do the conference tournaments. The East Carolina Pirates are rolling. A win over the number five team in the country, Houston. Unfortunately, I just got the text from Coach Owens that East Carolina has had to have a COVID stoppage. But Coach O was kind enough to call in this week to talk about the Pirates' big win over Houston. What's up, A.O.? BK! 
You dirty dog, man. You dirty dog. It's Monday morning. Strolling into work for another pirate game day. I totally forgot I didn't call and talk about the Pirates last one. Um, you know, Chiefs, a little, a little disappointed in my Chiefs, but we'll be okay. Um, but the Houston game, some things I was thinking was uh, when you're going to face a top five team like that, one thing we really, really emphasized was rebound the ball. If you look at their numbers and if you just watch Houston basketball in general, they do an unbelievable job. I mean, just an unbelievable job, BK, of getting the ball off the rim. Like you, you, you're taught that stuff since you're in elementary, um, but the way they go pursue it is just top-notch. So that was kind of our biggest point of emphasis going into the game was to, to compete with them on the glass, and our guys did an unbelievable job, uh, a truly a remarkable job of getting on the glass every single possession. Um, guards that usually – haven't rebounded at a high level this year, stepped up big time, and we're a part of that. And, um, you know, our our big did a fantastic job as well. Um, so that was – I think that was a, one of the biggest parts of the game besides um, us simply hitting shots. You know, we've struggled shooting the ball this year a little bit from time to time. And so to go in there and, you know, we had guys like J.J. Miles, Tristan Newton, um, who came in, hit big shots, who, who that can make shots. Um, came in, stepped it up, knocked him down. And then I would say another key guy is Jane Gardner. If you don't know him by now, um, unbelievable player and even better person. Walking double double. Can't, can't ask enough of, or can't, can't talk highly enough about the cat. Plays extremely hard. Um, probably going to go down as one of the school's greatest players ever. So, um, he steps up when it matters most. And, um, but you get you get moments like that that's just really really cool. You don't think about top five team coming into into East Carolina and going out with a loss. Um, you know that it's it's cool to be a part of something like that. You know probably the biggest win in school program history. Um, but you can't you can't say enough good things about those guys and how they played um, and their commitment to detail on the scouts and you know calling out actions. When you see that stuff and when you see them reciprocate what you've been preaching to them, that's when you know. That's when you know the work that you've been doing is is finally paying off. Uh, staff did a great job getting them ready. Coach is fantastic. So um, just a little just a little pirate basketball for your for the BK show. Um, <laughs> love and miss you, dude. Talk to you soon. Bye. Coach Adam Owens, that's a great call. Now that's a voicemail. Some of you guys text me and say, "What should I talk about?" When I call in, I said, well, it's, it's your voicemail. <laughs> it's your voicemail. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's a message from Coach A.L. That just makes you want to run through a brick wall for the Pirates. Now, although A.O. says that the Pirates, unfortunately, have had to have a stoppage. Very sorry to hear that, A.O. But a win over a top five team ain't bad. Ain't bad. 317-699-2350. Love you guys to call into the show for next week. Again, we're going to get busy here on the BK Show. We're going to have some more baseball as we go along. Got a couple other guys really want to talk to. Joe Ryan is a top five prospect with the Tampa Bay Rays. He will be in the big leagues this coming season. Joe led the minor leagues in strikeouts last year or two years ago, I keep on saying last year just because 
I think back to the last baseball season. Joe led the minor leagues, all the minor leagues in strike, and that's triple A, double A, single A, all the minor leagues in strikeouts in 2019. And he's going to be up with the big boys in Tampa. And I'm really curious to talk to Joey about, uh, you know, what it's like to pitch in the Tampa system because as I've talked to you guys, they're not even close to full form. They got some unbelievable prospects. And then, you know, of course, what happened in the World Series last year. But uh, Joe Ryan is going to be a star. So Joe will come on the program coming up. Brandon Gaughan, the voice of EA Sports, Madden NFL, he comes up on the 22nd. And then March, here's what we're going to try and do in March. You know, 68 teams and be staying here in downtown Indianapolis. I'm going to be reaching out to programs all across the country who have a shot at the tournament. So, you know, as we get closer, you know, start reaching out to, you know, SIDs and media people and try and get coaches on this show. I think that'd be awesome. I mean, you know, they're going to have to do something when they're in the bubble, right? They're going to be in the convention center. We can try and get them on here. You know, we'll try and uh, stretch as far as we can. You know, I still know some folks at Boise State. Um, I doubt Notre Dame can get into the tournament, but that would be an easy get. So, But no, I'm going to try and reach out to as many people as I can, and we're going to try and talk some college hoops on this show, even, you know, five, ten-minute conversations. I think that would be very insightful. I think you guys would enjoy that. I would enjoy it. I mean, hell, talking to some of these coaches from around the country. So that's to come on the Brendan King Show as we go along. Again, if I leave you with one thing from this episode, don't bet against the GOAT. Don't do it. Just don't do it, man. Maybe that lesson will be learned by by all these people next year. Appreciate you being with us. Thanks for staying patient. Again, my schedule is heating up. Not complaining in any sense. Happy to bring you guys the show. I love you guys for reaching out every week. I do this for you. I do this just to stay fresh. I do this to have fun. No other reason. We're having fun, baby. BK Show. Talk to you next week.